Uh, hey everyone, it's eight fifteen uh, uh, Eastern, episode seventy two. I don't even fucking care. Uh, I thought I had a clever title for this one. The grass is always grinder. Get it? The grass. Um, I don't think that that even really matters. We can maybe revisit Brittany Griner getting traded for, uh, the Lord of war and no draft picks. Uh, I guess the Biden administration has left the, uh, the Broncos administration off the hook for making the worst trade, uh, in modern history, but, uh, we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> uh, about an hour ago, as I was kind of getting ready for the show, whatever, uh, I got the, the alert and people sending me whatever that Barry Weiss was ready to drop episode two, which I hate of the, uh, Twitter files, which she's currently in the middle of doing. So I guess I have to say thank you to my whole 90 or so people who are listening to me instead of where you should be, which is listening to Twitter spaces where a lot of the people involved in this is going. Um, I, I, I'm still reading this. So I'm going to be distracted. Uh, we'll go for probably about an hour. I was, I was even contemplating calling this off, but I, I called it off last night over stuff. So I was like, we're here. Nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention to me. Nobody's paying attention. We're all just kind of seeing what Weiss is tweeting. Um, I guess the only thing I have to, my initial reaction is that is Han Solo force awakens. It was true. It was all of it. And the fact that she's not just sitting here saying it's true, she has screenshots. We're seeing what Twitter employees were seeing, and this is what they were all freaking out about. 100%, if you want to know what this is all about, it's the fact that Taibi and Weiss were given, uh, Musk gave them full control. Here you go. Go take a look. And you have two very smart journalists who are very much hated in the corporate community for reasons. And... Um, it's going to be real hard for them to make this about Hunter Biden's dick, but they're going to try. They're, I think what we're going to see is, of course, people are shadow banning hateful accounts and transphobic accounts. She's right now tweeting about uh, right chick lives of TikTok. Seems to be the kind of big one that she's going after. And I would I would argue at first that whatever. Twitter action took against Dan Bongino or Charlie Kirk. First of all, Charlie Kirk is going to be on the cross before the night is over. I'm just going to tell you that. Um, the big one, in my opinion, is uh, Jay Bhattacharya, who is a uh, professor of Stanford School of Medicine, PhD, Health Policy, Infectious Diseases, Health Economics, Scientific Freedom. He uh, was one of the advocates of the Great Barrington Declaration. He sat at a roundtable with Ron DeSantis, was banned off YouTube, he was labeled by Fauci as a as a medical extremist and a rogue virologist. And so I guess while the libs of TikTok and Charlie Kirk stuff is going to generate eyeballs, I guess what I want to know now is did anyone put pressure outside of Twitter to limit the scope of uh, Bhattacharya's account and the main reason I just go back to that is because Fauci gave a deposition in the Louisiana social media case where he said, I do not recall about 190 times. And I'm still going over that testimony. Some of you saw me tweet out parts of it. And uh, he claimed to not know anyone at Twitter or whatever. So I guess I'm still hung up on that part um, because I think where this is probably going to go is accounts were possibly banned over 
uh, COVID, what is declared as COVID disinformation, whatever. And Bhattacharya's account was also limited in scope because he advocated against lockdowns, as, especially as it pertained to schools. And as it turns out, he's right. He was right. Um, so I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be pretty much half distracted tonight. I will try to focus on questions. I will try to do this, but I'm obviously looking at this. We know that Twitter lied. Um, I'm someone who I'm fully have said in the past, I'm sure shadow banning occurs. I just need to see it as somebody who is skeptical of journalism and media on all sides. Uh, many of you look at my Twitter feed and you see that I don't do a lot of retweeting of hardcore right-wing media. Um, I just said I need to see it, and tonight we saw it. And so I'm a little bit beside myself on the fact that for however many years, things that were labeled conspiracy theories by outlets like Vice, Motherboard, uh, New York Mag, New York Times, NBC News as conspiracy theories, well, we know that they aren't. And we need to really fully understand what we're seeing here in the sense that these people can never be listened to or trusted again, period, ever. None of them. Um, I said with the James Baker revelations with the head of counsel of the FBI becoming counsel of Twitter, you don't need to have, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't need to have a smoking gun proof that, say, the Hunter Biden laptop story was censored. Uh, strictly because someone at the FBI or uh, wherever said they needed to do it. They didn't have to be told. And that's the whole point. And that's the whole flaw behind the argument of the First Amendment or whatever, or people's willingness to write this off, such as David French at the Atlantic or Tim Miller at the Bulwark, for instance. Um, I don't know. I guess they're going to try to make this about libs of TikTok's dick. I don't know what they're going to say to get out of this. So... Uh, I'm, I'm still reacting to a lot of, I'm reading this stuff. Um, as I'm sitting here reading, she's pretty much talking about internal Slack messages, uh, to restrict, uh, the visibility of libs of TikTok. So it's the same actors. We know them as a point. Um, it's Yol Roth. It's Vijay Gad. Jack Dorsey testified in 2018 that they do not shadow ban a, uh, a blog post. And I'll read some of this by Vijayagad and Kayvon uh, Bakur, or Bekapur, excuse me, July 26, 2018, setting the record straight on shadow banning. People asking us if we shadow ban. We do not. But let's start with what is a shadow ban? The best definition we found is this, deliberately making someone's account undiscoverable to everyone except the person who posted it unbeknownst to the original poster. We do not shadow ban. You're always able to see the tweets from accounts you follow, although you may have to do more work to find them, like go directly to their profile, which, of course, now we know was shadow banning. And we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology. Uh, one of the excuses you're going to hear is going to be similar to the Loris Lerner IRS accusations, which is I'm sure left wing accounts were also shadow banned. It goes on to say, we do not rank tweets, search results. We do this because Twitter is most useful when it's immediately relevant. These ranking models take many signals into consideration to best organize tweets for timely relevance. Yes, I'm having myself a vodka tonic during the week. We must also address bad faith actors who intend to manipulate or detract from healthy conversation. Boy, haven't we heard that one a thousand fucking times? Bad faith actors. Um... I don't know what to say. 
I'm, I'm still ingesting this. Someone asked, what are the odds that I pop up on the thread? And I said, uh, probably slim to none. I, I'm, I'm, I'm Wilco on Twitter. I'm an independent band on Twitter. I am not Charlie Kirk or Dan Bongino. I'm certainly not libs of TikTok. Um, I said uh, on Twitter here that my biggest, my biggest complaint about libs of TikTok is that I feel sometimes the account punches down. Uh, I believe the account is its most effective when it's posting about schools, teachers in classrooms, showing what they're doing, uh, institutions, hospitals, puberty blockers, etc. I don't really care when an 18-year-old TikTok person is like telling me their pronouns are cat or Zay or whatever it is. And so um, the fact that libs of TikTok simply posts publicly available material, this is the biggest problem Twitter has run into. And uh, journalists like ends have run into, which is simply noticing content is not hateful speech. And as I'm kind of sitting here half distracted and looking at Barry Weiss's thread, this looks like to be the internal discussion happening at Twitter, which is just simply posting a TikTok video uh, with very little commentary. And I will say that Libs of TikTok has gotten more into commentary as the account has grown and grown more powerful. And again, I still think the account is at its best when it doesn't add commentary. You shouldn't have to. It's just here's this person saying this, um, that this account had been banned several times. And um, even Twitter could not find how it was violating uh, hateful use policy simply by reposting publicly available material. And this is kind of the argument that corporate media and our mainstream media and media elites make against the political right, which is you go do something crazy. All we do is notice you're doing something crazy. And yet your entire business model is based on us noticing that they're doing something crazy. It's always the response. So um, that's kind of where we at. I, as I said, I'm, I'm stuck still on the first or second tweet of that thread, which is uh, we know that accounts from Jay Bhattacharya and, and others were limited or in scope and visuals and, and even banned from YouTube. When Governor Ron DeSantis held a roundtable in Florida about the effectiveness of lockdowns, that video was filmed and that was taken off YouTube. And Bhattacharya is not a kook. He's not, um, he, you can't even put him kind of in the scope where people like to put Robert Malone or others. Um, he is a virologist and an immunologist at Stanford, for fuck's sakes, okay? It's Stanford University. So that to me is the most concerning. I wish that people would focus on that. They are not going to. Um, as I said, Charlie Kirk is going to be high up on his cross by the end of the night. And I guess my attitude to that is thank you, Twitter, for making Charlie Kirk and Dan Bongino martyrs. Um, you deserve everything that you get coming out of this. And as I stated last time, we really are. It really appears that uh, for all my cynicism around Elon Musk, he basically saved political discourse online in this country. 100%. That's where we're at. Um, we're going to go for, I don't know, man, we'll go for about an hour. <laughs> uh, I said, I'd be here and I'm here. Uh, if you're not listening or paying attention, fine. Just pump the numbers up in the room because, uh, call in notices that, um, you guys are going to have to wait because I'm going to bump, uh,
um, which I actually accidentally mistaken you for the other gator. But if uh, if Dr. Roller Gator's in the room, please jump up to speak because this was an account that was banned. He just got reinstated and he's back to his kind of autistic posting ways. And uh, but Gator, uh, I moved you up anyway. I didn't mean to, but you're here. I don't care. Uh, I'm distracted. So uh, say what you need to say. Uh, say anything you want. Uh, I'm I'm kind of half being facetious. I am here. I'm focused. Um, but I also have to pay attention to what this is going on. And uh, I'm just I'm more laughing at the timing of this to where uh, I think it's also funny. And I'm, and I'm not sure that this wasn't done on purpose by Barry Weiss, that the New York Times went out on strike today and they're still out on strike. And that Barry Weiss just bulls in and is like, go ahead. They can't tweet. They can't write. They're all on strike. And this feels like a slow knife twist by Weiss to her former co-workers. Anyway, uh, Gator. Uh, feel free to go off on whatever whatever you're seeing, either with the Twitter files, uh, Brittany Griner. Uh, it's kind of just open chaos at this point. So uh, create as much chaos. Hey, thanks, Stephen. Um, yeah, basically, first things first. If this isn't if this isn't banging a stick against um, the cage of dumb users who don't believe that um, there's big tech nefarious collusion, then I don't know what is because you know it's good. As much as I'm extremely cynical about about where this ends up with Musk in the end, as I said last time, um, then, you know, finally, definite confirmation of what shadow banning looks like from the inside is, is a relief to see that. Um, but also, one of the things that sticks out to me is that we have people have to hold Jack Dorsey to account here. I mean, basically, what you're looking at in Barry Weiss's write-up is that this super powerful tool, this completely nefarious way of managing information, is actually signed off by Jack Dorsey. And he's getting no heat on this whatsoever, to the point where he looks like an absentee landlord, right? Where, where, the, where, the, where the rentals are being, are being run by a gang of shysters, um, and he doesn't know what's going on. Well, there's enough in Barry Weiss's commentary here to say that he does know what's going on and um if he is the shittest kind of ceo then or was the shittest kind of ceo then he should be taken to task for that because uh he, he is literally enabling this and people say oh this is happening below ceo level without his knowledge without his input well barry weiss has got something in this tweet stream that, sh that says that that's not true yeah all... i mean yeah barry notes in her thread here that there was a there was a select committee at Twitter called SIPPES. Yeah. And it was made up of the highest of the high people at Twitter. She says the secret group included head of legal policy and trust, that's Vijay Gad, global head of trust and safety, that's Yola Roth, subsequent CEOs Jack Dorsey and Parag Agarwal. And um, as Dorsey said in 2018, they don't shadow ban. This is when this first came to light when there was actually suspicion or proof that this was going on. And it um, I think that the question becomes, and obviously because we're just getting into this, I haven't done this tonight. This was when Jack Dorsey testified in front of Congress. Now, I guess it comes down to how far do we want to take it if he is under oath in front of Congress mm -hmm. saying uh, we do not shadow ban. Okay, do, do I think that this is something where he needs to be prosecuted? On? I guess I look at it and I say everything we know is now true. Everything we know has been confirmed there, there's no gray area on this anymore. We live in a world now where 
we know that what has been the worst, most suspected thing happening has been going on. As I've said, um, my Twitter usership has stalled me personally. And I, I have about a quarter of a million followers, not the most, not the least. I get it. I'm again, mid, mid level there, but, I always suspected for the past few months that I had been throttled in some way because my user, my, my follower account wasn't growing on top of that because I use Twitter as the main promotional tool for my podcast, my subscribership stalled. Like I can look at my metrics on Patreon and they go up and up and up and up and up. And then about five months ago, they just stall plateau and go down and down and down and down. Uh, the last three months on Patreon, and, and this is stuff I don't talk about because it, it's hard to talk about this stuff without acting like I'm the victim. It's like, poor me. No, and this is why I never tweeted about being shadow banned because fuck you. Like, why give you the satisfaction of uh, this little stupid little dinky Twitter engineer putting these little boxes on my account, whatever they are? We learn they have specific classifications, and I want to learn more about this. Um. Like, why give you the pleasure of me knowing what you're doing? Which is why I never tweeted about it. I, I just got up and you tweet, you tweet through it, you plow through it. You accept that this is what the platform is. Um, and as I noted, pretty much in, I think it was August or September when Elon Musk was talking about buying the company and he did a tour of Twitter. That's when the shenanigans stopped. And all of a sudden my father account started going up. So you could almost see like the engineers going, okay, hide this shit, hide this shit from the boss, hide it, hide it, hide it. And then it happened again like it just stalled again and then when he bought the thing i went from something like 370,000 twitter followers to now 400,009 30,000 followers in two and a half weeks um it's not something i watch i don't look at my follower that much i don't pay attention to it that much but there's a real possibility here because my podcast is part of how i make my living that twitter and their engineer shadow banning accounts cost me hundreds, maybe a couple thousand dollars. Um, and so kind of what you were saying, and I'll let you jump back in here um, to just see this and go, holy shit, like this is when she posted, when she posts the screen cap and you see like the tags that they have on account. For instance, I'm looking at libs of TikTok. They have mm. high profile, active notification spike, trends, blacklist, recent abuse strike, Twitter blue verified. <laughs> Multiple accounts, strike count two, high profile, not, not safe for work view. So you're looking at Twitter's internal dashboard. And now you know why they're just so freaked out about this is going to get people killed. No, we know that this now confirms even the worst actors on the political right, even the most annoying people like Charlie Kirk, he's going to be fucking insufferable from here on out. And guess what, guys? You deserve it and you earned it. So Gator, go ahead again. Yeah, yeah, and also on that screenshot you just mentioned right at the top in red, do not take action yeah. on user account without consulting with SIP PS, yep. i.e. don't do anything without talking to the head honchos of all of this scam, right? Yep. And I, I agree with you. If, you. if you go back to the congressional hearings of big tech, Mark Zuckerberg, absolute flat-out lying bastard, right, who, who, who resorts to the standard shenanigans of semantics and and you know very very thinly veneered um maneuvering right based upon uh, upon denialism essentially and then uh, james clapper head of the nsa did did you commit 
um, mass bulk surveillance on on your entire citizenry. And he and he literally, with a tell, rubbing his forehead, said, "Not wittingly." I mean, that was a complete flat out lie. What happened to those people? Nothing. If Jack Dorsey lied in in a congressional hearing and and said. Um, we didn't shadow ban. You know what his defence will be? It will be because we don't call this shadow ban. Correct. Correct. Would, that's that's well, one of the revelations. I was asked the wrong question. Yeah, that's, right? that's one Fuck of the, that's one of the revelations. Why said is it's like, hey, we we never called it shadow banning. We called it exactly. you know visibility whatever. Yeah. I'm not. I I have a thread in front Bullock of you. Like, manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever. So, uh, you know, I guess I look at this and say. This is where, to me, the worst instincts of the political right are going to come out. One is going to be, obviously, Dan Bongino and Charlie Kirk are going to make millions more of money. Um, and co- Congress is now, you know, with a, with a GOP House is going to try to subpoena Vijay Gad and Jack Dorsey, whatever. And I don't, again, what I said is I don't think, uh, even as someone who most likely's account was throttled, I don't think that that's where the argument is. I think the argument is still on her first tweet in the thread, which is Jay Bhattacharya and COVID and around that. And Mm. my my most unanswered question is, was his account throttled by anybody at the NIH, the DHS or the CDC or anyone? This is still to me the main issue. And until we have clarity, we know about the Hunter Biden laptop story. Okay, we know that for now it doesn't look like there was any government official telling Twitter to hit the brakes on that. Now, when your head of legal counsel is also the former head of legal counsel for the FBI, you kind of assume you don't need to be told to do that. Um, To me, this is the bigger issue because, as I said, Fauci was just deposed over this issue. Did any, do you know anybody at Twitter? Did you personally reach out to anybody at Twitter? No, I'm not saying Fauci. It doesn't have to be him. The question is still, was there any, government CDC interference in banning accounts on Twitter over COVID. And that can be vaccines. It can be lockdowns. It can be the lab leak theory or anything. To me, this is still the unanswered question. And if that to me doesn't get answered, I'm going to, I'm going to still be pretty disappointed in a lot of this. Uh, Barry Weiss, just, just so we're here, uh, has ended her thread she says there is more to come on the story, which is going to be reported by Abigail Schreier, which is interesting. She's a journalist author about uh, detransitioning, obviously, trans, trans issues. Uh, Michael Schellenberger has been granted access to the Twitter files. Nellie Bowles, who is, uh, in full disclosure, Barry Wife's partner or uh, spouse, has been granted uh, access to the files, as is Isaac Grafstein. Uh, from the free press, she says, quote, the authors have broad and expanding access to Twitter's files. The only con- condition we agreed to was that the material would be first be published on Twitter, which to me is uh, what Musk is asking. So instead of going to Substack or wherever uh, that, that all of this information gets made transparently put on Twitter. Um, I guess I guess my reaction and again, I'll let this is how this call in is going to go, guys. It's going to be back and forth and whatever. And I'll try to get everyone in. Um, This is the first I I don't even know if it's about Elon Musk. It's. The interesting thing to me right now is the complete lack of cool kid table spiking on Barry Weiss. Uh, Ben Collins is retweeting himself about, would you rather be on Breitbart or, uh, whatever over the trans non-binary shooter in Colorado Springs? He hasn't reported on in two weeks. 
so the silence obviously it's come from the New York Times because they're on strike, but um, the silence coming out of this is interesting to me because I don't know how they know how to respond to it yet. Um, if there's any response other than, okay, you were right from corporate journalists, and we know they're going to figure out a way to do it, then again, these are the people you need to pay attention to. Um, like I said, I'm not a tinfoil hat conspiracist. I'm always someone where it's like, I need to see evidence this is happening. Uh, even today, I said this with the, with the whistleblower, with the FBI, uh, Hunter Biden story. I said this today about Grassley. It's like, yeah, I respect Chuck Grassley, but I still need to see this person. I need this person to sit down, hold their hand in the air, and then tell us, hey, we were told not to report on the Hunter Biden story. So, the fa- again, I'm, I'm, pff, I'm just kind of in awe at the, at the screenshots. Uh, I don't know. I might DM Barry and ask her if, if she can screenshot me, my links, just, just to see. Um, I'm on sort of good terms. I'm not super close to her, but I do talk to her once in a blue moon. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not kind of speechless over the stuff. It's just, holy shit, like all of this is true. And I guess I look at it and say, what else on Twitter has been written off as a conspiracy theory over the past four or five years that we know is probably true again? Sorry, Gator, go ahead. You just give me an idea here. I think we might need to petition Elon Musk um, for, well, in the UK, we have this thing called... um, uh, the Information Commissioner's Office, and basically people can do a thing called a subject access request where you write to any company, <clears throat> even your own employer, and say, can I have a copy of all of the informa- information that you have against me or any of my personal identifiers? Well, if we did this with Twitter so that you could say, I had an account, I think I got shadow banned, I want an internal audit to see whether you've ever done this to me or whatever the shit you you ever did to me, that would be a good service, right? Because you could actually automate that anyway, and it wouldn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I was just talking with someone in DM. I'm not going to say who about that. I don't know how you would go about that. I know there's like little bot services where you put your in your username, and it's like you know here your shadow band or whatever. I don't trust those either. I don't. I don't give my account to third party apps. Um, that's just the paranoid classical liberal conservatarian in me. Um, Musk has said that eventually this is all going to become public. So. I don't know how he's going to do that. If there's a database where you could search, I don't know if it's a necessity. I guess I look at this and say, I'm satisfied enough. I guess I, that's where I am. I'm looking here going, what I suspected is true. What other people on the right suspected is true. What other actors on the political right, even far worse than me, people like, you know, Charlie Kirk, who are just the most insufferable tools out there. Um, these people have legitimate concern, gripes now. You You have now gone out of your way to legitimatize Charlie Kirk and some of the worst actors on the political right. And this is where I kind of just step aside and go, you fucking deserve what you're going to get now. This is sort of like what the media did with Donald Trump. You handed Donald Trump $5 billion in free media, and then he won, and then all of you just went, oh shit, what did we do? And that's kind of what I'm looking at this. So when it's interesting to me that Barry Weiss specifically chose the three, the four accounts that she did. She chose Bhattacharya, she chose uh, Dan Bongino, she chose Charlie Kirk, and she chose Libs of TikTok. And I don't, you know, she's she's an editor. She's making editorial decisions, but I think she's also showing like here here was here's who TikTok targeted the most. And it's kind of like the fact that t- TikTok targeted those people the most is like now you've made them martyrs on the political right. Charlie Kirk is going to go on probably a six-month spiking tour. He's probably going to make now $50,000, dollars 
off of this, maybe more. And he's going to be all over Tucker Carlson, who looks like his dad, by the way, uh, for the next three or four nights, spiking a football. And as much as I'm not a fan of those people, they all absolutely deserve to do it because Twitter made this decision. And uh, I mean, part of it is I'm just I'm sitting here kind of like I've been in media now. I've, I've been in this form of media now for about 12 years and this is like a thing where you never expect to see. You never expect to see the curtain get pulled back, ever. You always suspect it's the certain way, but you never get to see this actually happen. And so um, that's kind of where I, I'm still ingesting some of this. So um, I don't know if a petition to Musk works. I, as far as a database, maybe. I don't know if Barry Weiss is going to go through and screenshot every single account that has been banned, but certainly high-level accounts um, and like I said, I think focusing on libs of TikTok, I don't know if that's going to be a mistake or a good thing. Libs of TikTok is already a martyr. We don't even need to go there. But again, to me, it's did the CDC, was Twitter working as, a, as an arm of the CDC to censor what they felt was medical disinformation. Yes, yes, it was. I know. I know out. it was. That to me is the was. most important thing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was. Right. I, I had a colleague who um, whose entire Twitter strategy was to take constant um, scientific research papers and go through injecting those into any conversations that he felt appropriate about um, the vaccine and the illness as it, as things went on and without without any commentary he would literally just use links to these papers to say with a quote from the paper so saying about maybe autoimmune issues can result in, or whatever like and, and just doing that he ended up getting repeatedly banned or shut down until his entire his, his, his account was was completely banned and then he started up again and it happened again i think it happened two or three times where his account finally got shut down he never produced or or tweeted um personalized tweets right they were only the link to the article and a quote from the abstract of the conclusion of the article and he was repeatedly shut down for that right now that means two things it means that um twitter has probably got builds a list of um kind of linked links that it doesn't like to see promulgated that would be an automated tool that would 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 make censorship spotting easy and also it's kind of um it's also somebody somewhere is deciding actively deciding we are suppressing science on this agenda that's what that tells me and that means that it is literally in cahoots with CDC, FDA, Fauci, because they had to. It had to get those that specific scientific agenda from somebody else. Dorsey and, and Co. did not decide that themselves, and and I think that's the biggest baddest thing on uh, the COVID side of things and Twitter. What Twitter's done because what Twitter has done is completely suppressed early treatment, which has proven to work, um, which was true, you know, and it's promoted falsehoods. And and this 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 whole. Do you remember the FDA said ivermectin is for horses? You're not a horse, y'all. Don't do. Don't be stupid. I mean, I mean that's... And that was and that was based on what Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan was like. I'm not taking fucking horse paste yeah, here. It's yeah, like exactly. I'm taking something that either he said his doctor. It's a Nobel, it was look, awarded is, the Nobel Prize is, for for medicine. Right. 
this is the whole problem is, is I'm not someone who endorses the use of ivermectin, okay? I'm very much someone who I talk to my doctor, and when my doctor says I take into consideration, whatever. Uh, I'm vaccinated, I got one booster, and I'm fucking done. <laughs> That's it. I've gotten COVID twice, and the second time I caught it was worse than the first time I caught it, and I was vaccine boosted. So here I'm like, I'm done. Uh, I'm a healthy Gen Xer. Um, I'm currently doing like core training, so I'm getting I'm getting healthier. I'm not getting another booster. It has nothing to do with uh, a microchipped or anything like that. I'm just like I've done what you told me to do, and now I'm hearing all of these different things, and I'm fucking done. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and so. The idea that social media, especially like Twitter, became like the activist arm of the CDC, that to me is even bigger than Twitter becoming the activist arm of the Biden campaign to shut down the Hunter Biden laptop story. Because they basically just said, and and Fauci said in his deposition about, uh, he was concerned about when he was directly asked, did you have any say on what was happening on social media? He says no, but he says my concern was that uh, disinformation was spreading that could cost lives, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking like even people who are vaccinated are dying now. And so I get that you were pushing the vaccine, but it wasn't that people who decided not to get vaccinated, they weren't looked at as people as having a different opinion. They were looked at as like literal enemies of the state, <laughs> And it went from Bhattacharya to uh, other doctors, to Dr. Robert Malone, to McCullough, to just people who are like, I'm not getting the shot. And I'm one of those kind of, you know, live and let live people. This was not Ebola. This was not like, you know, a zombie virus. Once we figured out that this was something that affected the older population and uh, immune compromised or people, you know, of pre-existing conditions, it was kind of like, you still use your heavy hand and Twitter went along with it because large in part, it wasn't that they agreed with the medical diagnosis. It's that they agreed with the politics of the people pushing that. Exactly. They were just under political instruction, weren't they? As yeah, a, exactly. As a, no, that's exactly because, right. Because and, what, what I think we need to say explicitly is this, what this again is showing is what Twitter is. It is not a public square and it's a fool's errand to believe that or repeat it because that's what they want you to say to yourself it's not a, it's not a public square it is a state controlled perception management tool that's what twitter is and we should not forget it and this is evidence that that is the case and it's well, foolish of users to ameliorate or play this down or tolerate it you people need to be fucking nuts about this and and seek uh, prosecution based on it if it can be because it is the first it is the outsourcing of the circumvention of the first amendment via private corporations and that's what the social media game truly is and it's if you if we don't see that for what it is we're fucking dumb and we deserve whatever we get um yeah i mean again to me you're starting to see again such a uh a fervent reaction against musk and weiss and taibi and now you're seeing why it was like holy shit like the people that we labeled kooks and conspiracy theorists and whatever, even down to just like James O'Keefe, who I've worked with James um, and stuff like that. It's they're all right. They, you prove them all right. And that's going to be a problem for them going forward. Uh, right. Gator, I'm going to go ahead and move on because I got a lot of people back there, but uh, I do appreciate uh, your thoughts on this. Cheers. Um, now I'm going to do what I intended to do. <laughs> 
I have more than one gator up there. Uh, I'm bringing up Dr. Oligator. How are we doing, Dr. Oligator? Congrats on getting your account Well, back. I deleted the uh, tweet. Fire, so. fire, fire away, man. I deleted the tweet, so uh, it wasn't because uh, I actually... You cock. You, you complete cock. I know, I know, but I was I was itching to go, and they after they let Andrew Anglin back on from the Daily Stormer, I was like, Fuck <laughs> yeah. it. I don't care anymore. Yeah, it's, it's like, there's, no, there's no rules. Nazi back on, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, give me uh, give me your thoughts. Go ahead. Um, well, you know, it, it, I w- to grab the the feeling of the moment, I'll say that I haven't kind of felt this way since uh, Anthony Weiner had his uh, yes, that was my my penis uh, speech where uh, Andrew Breitbart was actually, you know, uh, yeah. in the room at the time and hijacked the press yeah. conference. What's the other interesting thing about this is I'm the reason why there's a great line in the movie 13 days, which is about the Cuban missile crisis. Great political movie. I know people can't stand Costner's accent in that uh, Bruce Greenwood should have won an Oscar for playing JFK. Um, and, Costner plays, uh, oh God, Kenny, what's his name? The former chief of staff for Kennedy. And they look at the, the missile silo sites in Cuba. And he, and he says, I feel like we just caught the Japanese uh, aircraft heading for Pearl Harbor. And that's not this, I know, because it's an anniversary. Let's pump the brakes. But in that kind of sense, um, that's kind of like what it, 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 you look at this and you just go, holy shit, they were doing every single fucking thing that we always thought they were doing. And, um, sort of with the with the Wiener stuff, it's it's similar. In what I'm getting at is, and, and I'm sorry if I'm a little scatterbrain. Uh, it's just I have all this shit coming in on me. Um, but you're kind of right in the sense of how are they going to spin this? Are you going to spin this about you all just want to look at Yoel Ross Dick now? Is that is that what this is? And you're right in the sense of, and I talked about this on the podcast today, which was it was really interesting to me to see. Uh, Tim Miller and others go all in on this is about Hunter Biden's dick. And I'm thinking, are, did you learn nothing? Because this this reminded me of what Breitbart did with Anthony Weiner. Breitbart was a guy who perfected this kind of reporting, which is you release the tease, you release the story, uh, just what the story is basically about, that Anthony Weiner, Congressman Weiner, has been releasing his wiener to underage girls, sexing, whatever. You don't show anything. You just put that out there. And then you wait for them to respond. And Anthony Weiner's response was, uh, if you remember, he accidentally posted a, a, a pic of like his boxer shorts and everyone just like, what, <laughs> what the fuck? And then he claimed and, it was hacked. He did. He, he, Joy Reid yeah, did so he he the says, situation before Joy Reid did it. <laughs> says, he goes on and he says, I was hacked. Maybe the toaster is loyal, whatever. And then they write the story about it. And then he makes the accusation. Breitbart says Wiener has been uh, sexting either an underage minor or whatever it was at the time. I know there's several of those. I get my Wiener stories confused. Um, and then they come out and they deny it. And Chris, even Chris Hayes goes on the air and goes, this, this has all the hallmarks of whatever. And then Breitbart releases the story with the other woman, her testimony, the proof, everything. And then he backs them into a corner to where they have no choice, but to admit the truth. Now that was 2010 or 2011. Right. And that was a good time on Twitter, by the way. Um, now we're 10 years where journalists don't have that level of shame. So of course they're going to figure out a way to spin this. I think part of it is going to be, of course, Twitter was shadow banning libs of TikTok. It's a hateful transphobic account 
and of course that this this person should be doxxed. They're going to basically, to me, just say, yes, of course, this should all have been happening. Um, I think that corporate media journalists like Ben Collins, et cetera, political left journalists are going to say if Dan Bongino and Charlie Kirk are your examples. And that's to me, is why the shadow banning of Dr. Bhattacharya is the more important one in all of this. Mm -hmm. And I hope upon hope that people on the political right focus on that one. I don't have hope. (laughs) I think they're going to, I think they're going to go full Leroy Jenkins on and defending Charlie Kirk, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, so the only, the only other time I felt that way was actually during the election. Um, It was uh, project Veritas did something very similar. I know. And I know that he, he does the same maneuvers, but it was it was involving a postal worker who had made a claim about um, some some uh, nefarious, uh, uh, you know, late voting uh, rules. And uh, the news had come out and said that the, the FBI, like it was the FBI or it was the postal inspector, some one of the government officials had said that he admitted he was lying. So this postal worker had supposedly told him he was lying. And all of the news ran with this, that, that he had admitted he was lying. And then they, it turns out that Project Veritas had like a two hour secret recording of his interview with these agents. And so that was that was a similar moment, but that was underplayed by all the chaos of, of whether the entire election was stolen. But uh, this, this is, I mean, it took, it took uh, the richest person in the world to recreate what Andrew created in that Wiener story. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of interesting there, but the, the fact that you get, when the story comes out ex- almost exactly as you imagined it was, there's, there's a concern that you're being fed what you're expecting and that it's just as fake as, as the other scenarios. But here, you know, it's, it's really hard to be in that situation because the things that they were, we were accusing them of doing were often very specific after it, after um, discussion. So after the first people would say, Hey, I think they're shadow banning, then the mechanics of shadow banning started to be uh, worked out. And then apps came to like, tell you exactly what they were testing for in the system to determine if you were shadow banned. So there was already a lot of, I'll call it scientific investigation as to the nature of this, this type of activity. The rest that you didn't have actual uh, physical evidence of because you couldn't test it directly was mostly just inference by observation. But oftentimes those observations were so blatant that there was almost nothing you could you could say to explain it other than the the people internal were heavily biased in their application and whether it was a strict this person looks conservative or this person looks liberal it was really it really doesn't have to be that in order to wind up completely skewed where if you just get a sense of looking up and down someone's account yeah i don't think i like this person i'm going to apply this rule to him and you, one- you real, real fast you bring up an interesting thing which is when when did when did this kind of coding and programming happen? Did Twitter just look at the results of the 2016 election and the threats of journalists saying, you know, Twitter is to blame for all of this? Did, did Jack Dorsey, Vijay Gad, Yul Roth and others and the head of, you know, uh, engineering sit down and go, we need to figure out a way to implement a system to where we can't ban accounts but we can hide them from the platform 
uh, because they know if we start just banning accounts for speech violations, that that's going to be a huge thing. Inside of inside of that, so thread, I guess, yeah, real the, fast, second, the second thing from Yol Roth is actually that, and you'll if you pay attention to what he says there. I haven't he, looked at it. I, okay, I, I so, looked at, I looked at the long screenshot from Weiss, and I haven't read it because I'm hosting right. this room. But it's like the uh, it's the guy with the giant hand in the Simpsons. I'm just uh, like. But go ahead. If, I'll, if summar- I'll ready, summarize it, like, and then everyone yeah, can, can read, the, re- read the full thing. But Yol, Yol Roth in the first one is commenting that the, the safety team hasn't done enough to um, get a handle on what they want to handle. He didn't specify what it was yet. And that other teams are taking care of what they, they uh, feel is the same problem, but they're using spam tools. So he's complaining about an internal tension, saying that, that hey, we want to we fix our safety policies to make them the perfect, in his mind, perfect. We kind of already have a taste for what he imagines is, is a better world. Um, and he says, you know, I, I want to fix our safety things, but the things that we have uh, that are broken on our side are being wound up being picked up by the, the, the team fixing spam. And it's not a spam problem. And so while they might be taking care of the problem, they're still allowing us to be kind of broken on this side. And so then he proposed uh, a, a, a solution involving not banning accounts, but actively suppressing them for misinformation. He wasn't focused in this in this uh, second statement about violent threats, incitement to violence. He was specifically targeting misinformation. And that's not an idea he gets on his own. This is the this is what I'm getting at about banning uh, Dr. Badashari, whatever. This is not an idea that somebody like Yoel Roth comes up with on his own. This is somebody (laughs) that someone feeds to him. Yep. Whether it's Kara Swisher or Nina Jankowicz, or t- and it's an, it's an atmosphere, whatever. so it's not it's, it's not individual speeds to him because the term disinformation misinformation didn't originate from Yoel Roth at Twitter. Mm-mm. It originated from you. Uh, basically, where that started was Teddy Goff of the Clinton campaign. A week after she mm-hmm. lost the campaign, mm-hmm. stated to Politico, "We're gonna we're gonna battle disinformation on Facebook," and yep. then the entire media went, "Okay, we're going to do that." I, so I, someone um... gave Yoel Roth this idea, and that's who I want. I don't care about Yoel Roth. I want to know who the fuck was pulling Yoel Roth's strings. Yeah, I, I was. Um, you know, I'm. I pay attention keep my ear to the ground on these things and you are correct on that timing exactly that same timing i i saw those the those words and if you kind of get a sense for me i kind of can pick up what the what the linguistic traps are going to be and i knew that disinformation was going to be going to be key because the they've been building this they were able to ride off the the russia narrative for so long that the idea that our our entire information ecosystem could be uh, rife with just you know, uh, alternative facts was where they started to build that from Kellyanne Conway at the early or part of the Trump administration, right? They were build, constantly building towards this idea that basically everything on the right-hand side of the aisle was all false, <laughs> that there wasn't a single thing that, they, that the people on the right believed that was true. And they've been working into that. So then it, then it basically became convincing their, their viewers, their, their sympathetic cohorts that that the, the whole problem in society was this inaccuracy of, of information and people believing absolute mirages. And so then when you know, QAnon gave them the, the stupid January 6th thing, 
you know, whether you feel that they were egged on to do it, tricked into do it, whatever, it was still something that they got and still something they got to use. And you had a crazy, you know, crazy Viking hat guy in horns uh, making it absolutely apparent that there were a bunch of absolute nuts involved in this. Right. And they got to they got to ride that wave right after that of just we have to crack down on disinformation and that became their sole focus and their sole idea of what is wrong in society and therefore they believe they they'll always believe if if they're wrong on something it's an innocent mistake but when other people are wrong it's because they're delusional or they're and, and it's an so. innocent mistake that we must learn from and never retract or hold anyone responsible as we're seeing with FBX. <laughs> Uh, Gator, I'll give you one last kind of quick word. I'm going to try to get through uh, a few yep. more people here, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to bring you up because I know your account was banned. I'm a little disappointed in you for deleting the feed, but I, I get it. No, I understand. No. Uh, well, I'll go ahead. It's a good week to do it, I guess. Um, yeah, it, they've been building on this for a long time, and I was actually to real quick. I was, I was. This happened to me. I was uh, locked out back in 2000, uh, 2020 because I had quoted um quoted samantha b's statement about calling uh, ivanka trump uh, a cunt on television and sally field then writing a, a tweet about uh about the word cunt and how how cunts are beautiful and etc and therefore ivanka is not a cunt and i quoted them and i got banned for that I, you know i got a violation for that tweet even though sally field's tweet which i was directly quoting was still up and then uh, I had to fight them for, for that one, which I never, I didn't win that battle either. But then when, when I finally came back and came out about a year later, they started allowing Sally Field's tweet of, of her calling, uh, talking about Ivanka being a cunt. They allowed that to become a trending where they gave it then their own synopsis. And so I think that an added component of what they've been doing to people is flaunting in their face the the uh, uh, double standards in their application of the rules. All right. Thank you for the time. I'm out. Thanks, Gator. Welcome back to Twitter, by the way. Um, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to get through everyone tonight. Um, real quick. Elon Musk is responding to Barry Weiss's Twitter thread. He pulled a screenshot of a Jaya Gad from uh, 2018 on the, we do not shadow ban. Saying, Vijaya Gad, Twitter exists to serve the public conversation, enabling important discussions around the world to occur, favoring one specific ideology or belief goes against everything we stand for. He also pulled a Yul Roth tweet. The former head of censorship at Twitter was perhaps not entirely unbiased. The Yul Roth tweet from January of 2017, the you are not the right kind of feminist backlash to yesterday's marches has begun. Did we learn nothing from this election? Yes, that person in the pink hat is clearly a bigger threat to your brand of feminism than the actual Nazis in the White House. I, I cannot... I guess where my pause is, is... I'm trying to articulate... That I, I, I cannot believe that someone of Elon Musk's power, influence, money what have you, whatever. I, I'm looking at it as someone who I've been in a political fight for 12 years where it's always just, you're always fighting against power. You're fighting against power in media. 
uh, corporate media you're you're pushing against and in in some ways no, don't get this wrong this is this is a hilarious example in some ways you're kind of like the batman where batman gets up he dresses in a costume he goes out beats the shit out of criminals every night but he knows he's never going to win ultimately in the end it's always just you're not going to win it's there's always going to be more crime more criminals whatever like that and so to see someone with this actual kind of power just rip the spinal cord out of who these people are um i get i guess my loss for words is that i, I don't think i'd ever thought i would ever see this especially given the media environment we're in where uh, one side controls everything they control academia they control media they control culture music hollywood um as we talked i talked a lot about this on the podcast and again to just like see this to just be like not not here shadow banning is happening it's barry weiss here's the screenshot of what it actually looks like from twitter's engineering board and to see someone who is not necessarily a friend of the political right, but just someone who is dedicated to the correct causes, um, it's not something I think I ever thought that I would see. So, Mitch, go ahead. I'm going to try. Uh, guys, I'm going to be back here tomorrow night. So if I don't get all of you in, uh, I'm going to go here for a little bit still. Um, but if I don't get you in, rest assured, I'll be back here tomorrow night and probably Saturday over this. But Mitch, go ahead. Thanks for being patient. I know I, I know I leapfrogged you a couple of times, but thank you for holding. Oh, not at all. I, I think we need to ask the question, is this the coolest thing any billionaire has ever done? I mean, it. I mean, speaking of Batman, I mean, he's not going to be, I mean, he's not, Elon Musk isn't going to beat Batman. So, but yeah, uh, is, yes, probably not. As far as someone in his state, um, you look back to someone like Howard Hughes, where uh, this is someone who, you know, this is a guy who was into film, he was into movie, and I, I get he went completely fucking cuckoo. I get all of that. But when you look at somebody like Howard Hughes, and, and this is who I've compared Elon Musk to as a modern day person, um, because. I guess you could maybe say Steve Jobs, but you look at Howard Hughes, who was involved in Hollywood and culture and making movies and Ava Gardner and all of that all thing. And then he goes and he does airplanes. He obviously had the congressional hearings where he has to push back from accusations of being a war profiteer and all of this stuff. And that's to me, is the closest comparison. And as so, far as Elon Musk is already at Howard Hughes, he's probably just, uh, you know, hermetically sealed himself into a room with his pistols and that's it. <laughs> Um, I so, find him, I listen to his Twitter space and I find him as someone who is extremely guarded, but is also extremely accessible. Um, he's someone who I guess he's maybe winning me over. I still don't like, you know, it's safe to say he's still, you know, a federal government contractor similar to Howard Hughes. Um, but this is, I mean, this is a guy when he's in photos, he's in like a ratty black t-shirt sitting on the counter talking to coders. He's not someone who like came from Wall Street, for instance. He's not like Warren Buffett. This is a guy who coded his way through PayPal. He knows what he's doing with Twitter. Um, whether or not it fails or succeeds in the direction he's going, I, I don't know, but it's not going to shut down. And so as far as the coolest thing a billionaire has ever done, I don't know. But he's figured out that the way is to be a disruptor. And for so long, especially in social media and tech, 
the way to be to to be proper in society and in cancel culture and media is to just uh, comply with their demands. And Zuckerberg, to his credit, is also kind of a free speech guy. He understands the need for open debate. Um, but old Twitter completely caved to the threats of journalists. And as I've always said, Jack Dorsey and Vijaya Gad turning Twitter into a journalistic outlet uh, because of a platform that they killed. Like Twitter killed what CNN is and Twitter killed what NBC was. And then Jack Dorsey turns his platform over to people that wanted it to become more like NBC and CNN. And if, if I was one of those people in charge of a company like Twitter, I'm like, why the fuck am I giving, why the fuck am I threatened by you who, whose industry that I basically turned into a fossil? And so I think Elon Musk understands that. He's not afraid of NBC. He's not afraid of CNN. He's not afraid of uh, friends from the Washington Post or anything. And I think that that's important. So it's not even that Elon Musk is on any political side. It's that he is not of the side of the, you know, the uh, effective altruism group that, say, SBF is a part of. And so whether or not it's like the coolest thing, I don't know. But again, I'm someone who has been pushing a boulder uphill for 12 years in this in this battle, you, you write your pieces, you send your tweets, you hope they have an effect, but at the end of the day, you kind of think they don't. And here is something unfolding in front of you that you never thought that you would see is kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm kind of trying to, instead of being like all knowing and all just telling you how this is happening, I'm trying to be coming at this from a very visceral point of view is someone who's been in this struggle for a while. And I'm like, I never thought I would see this, but go ahead. Sorry, Mitch. I'm on a no, on you. Go ahead. No, not at all. Uh, so I want to offer you a potential explanation for why Elon is doing what he's doing. Okay. I, um, well, because I'm he can, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'm a trial lawyer. I handle securities litigation cases, securities enforcement cases against the SEC. I want you to go back in time. Do you remember when the SEC was investigating Elon Musk for his public statements around taking Tesla private? Yes. He was getting subpoenaed. You remember all that, right? This is one of the most delicious ironies of life you are ever going to see. So go back to the summer of 2022 this year to put this in its proper frame. Elon Musk is saying, I want to buy Twitter. And the board's going and the shareholders are going, we got to block this. We got to block this. Well, now we fucking know why. But press, press pause on that for a second. Eventually, he offers them more money than they can possibly say no to. And he buys the company. Well, I want to make for everybody. On yeah, the call, he, he actually does real Bruce Wayne shit. That's what was funny. It's amazing. He, he becomes the shareholder and then he demands to see as the primary shareholder kind of says, I want to look at what you're doing at Twitter. What, you know, what have you been doing? And then they're like, we're not going to tell you. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to buy you. And then he does. Then they try to stop him from buying it. And then he does anyway. And here we are. Go, go ahead, Mitch. So I, I want to make, make a five minute case to explain to you why Twitter, Jack Dorsey, Vijaya Gad and Yoel Roth have all committed securities fraud. OK, so. Elon has bought the company. There is material non-public information known to the control persons and the officers in the C-suite of that company that they know and the rest of the public market doesn't know. In fact, the non-disclosure of that information is part of the investment thesis for why Elon wants to buy the company. 
So I have a theory that the reason he's doing this now is Elon absolutely intends to try to retrade the deal and claim securities fraud as it relates to the sellers of Twitter, the control persons of that company, who now we have black and white proof that they were lying in public statements. Oh, you remember when the SEC accused Elon of doing the exact same thing? He now has the entire C-suite on record in writing lying to the public market about material information related to Twitter. He's tell, they are telling the market actively that this, com this company is not shadow banning people. It's not preventing ideas from getting out into the public marketplace. That's all a figment of your imagination. In fact, Stephen, if you think you're being shadow banned, that's just because you're too self-important. Well, it turns out it was all true. Those guys were all lying. So the first thing that ought to happen tomorrow morning is the SEC ought to be sending subpoenas out to all the former officers of that company. And Elon ought to be filing a lawsuit claiming securities fraud damages because the guy invested in a company based upon all the information that was in the public sphere, which now we know is false. And so that is one possible motivation. I mean, not an altruistic one, albeit a prag more pragmatic one, an explanation for why he's doing what he's doing right now. Um, you're an attorney, so you look at things differently than I do as like a, a writer and a, just someone who looks at media. Um, I think you're, I think you're onto something in the sense of, I need to clean, I need, just need to clean house. I need to clean the gunk out of this website. Um, if Twitter is going to move forward and this is, this is kind of where I think he is now. Um, I, I don't know what he's thinking legally or anything, but I look at it and say, I think he he needs to make Twitter profitable, and if you if you look at his past with his companies like Tesla and others, it's, it is about being profitable. It is about making a product that people want and use. He is very much like Steve Jobs in that in that way. Instead of making a phone, he's making a car, um, and I think he's looked at it and said Twitter is damaged. It's a damaged brand, and which is it has why destroyed the public trust. Right, which is why people aren't using it. And now there's several layers of why it's damaged. I doubt that most of Twitter's users care that, you know, a select select group of conservative political tweeters were, were shadow banned and whatever. I, I doubt that that's the thinking. Um, I think he looks at it and says Twitter has... I had, for instance, I had a friend, and I think I've told this story, who two years ago... Uh, he, he is a, uh, he's a musician. He does kind of keyboard synth stuff, did his own project. He used to be in a band with me and don't ask what I did. Cause I sucked. Um, <laughs> but he, he finally created a Twitter account and he asked if I could boost him. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll retweet you. Like, I don't know if you're going to like my audience, but yeah, like I do that. And so I did that and he started then automatically becoming political. Like he went from tweeting his music to his projects to whatever, to suddenly weighing in on politics. The funniest thing is he, then he tweets me or he doesn't tweet, but he gets me in text and he's like, Twitter is like a fucking political mosh pit. Like you can't help, but get sucked into it. And he's right because that's the whole reason I'm here. I don't know how many of you saw the meme of Obama in blue. It's a star Wars meme. And it went Obama in blue, a new hope. It went Trump in red, the empire strikes back. And then it went Bernie Sanders in green, the return of the Jedi. He made that meme. 
and it rocketed all over the internet. It went from Twitter to Reddit to uh, uh, Antifa forums, whatever. And he got legitimately pissed because he couldn't stop it. He was like, that's me. That's my meme. That's, he's like the guy from Saturday Night Live saying, I started that wave. And I kind of told him, I'm like, you just got to accept that people like what you did. And that's just what it is. My point in that is that Twitter became just, it, it became known where if you sign up for it, you're just getting sucked into politics, even if you're just there to like look at fantasy sports or post your music. And so Twitter's brand is damaged. It's damaged in the sense of what we know is going on behind their closed doors to now we know that they're boosting and de-boosting content to now people don't like Twitter because if you log on, and even Elon Musk said this in his, in his Twitter spaces, where let's say you're a brand new user. Let's say even now, Twitter's been around for 15 years now almost. And let's say you finally decide, I'm going to create a Twitter account. You go in and you create it, and let's say you just go, I just had Thai soup this morning. Within 10 minutes, you're going to have someone going, you know, you're, you, I see that you're a white lady culturally appropriating Thai soup, and that's wrong. You really shouldn't do that. And there's a chance that even if you tweet that, you're going to, be, you're going to get doxxed. You're going to get discovered by media. BuzzFeed is going to be going, this white lady or this white guy tweeted how much he loved Thai soup, and Twitter isn't having it. And he, I think he realizes that because of that's what Twitter's become, it's damaged. It's a damaged brand. Two, it's also not picking up younger users. Those users are going to TikTok. Those users are going to Instagram, Reels, whatever. And so he has to figure out how to make Twitter profitable and make Twitter cool again. And whether our media likes it or not, Elon Musk is someone who is generally looked at as being cool. How do you know that? Because even people who hate him are buying his fucking car. And so I guess that that's what I say about what what his intention is is with it, is he has to repair the brand. And I think other than you know what you said about securities fraud and lawsuits, I think he looks at it and says, in order for me to move forward with this damaged product, I have to repair trust. Whether that's trust with a user base, it's trust politically, it's trust within our media. It's trust with why you ban the Hunter Biden laptop story. That's how he's looking at it. And that's why he's giving this stuff to a select group of independent journalists. To me, he's telling corporate journalists, and it might be a vendetta, that you don't have the power that you think you do anymore. One, because I just fired all of your sources. They're gone. I'm in charge now. Speaking of... The only tweet uh, Ben Collins has done tonight is an emoji of a yawn. So make of that what yeah. you will. So, He's uh, but um, Mitch, I'll give you the last. I, I know I kind of monologue on you a couple times, but that to me is what I, that to me is what I think he's doing. I think he's out here repairing the brand, and he's saying that this is going to be a different app going forward. That you might not like it, but we're going to hear opinions you don't like, and we're not going to ban opinions you don't like. And that could be from trans puberty blockers to, I don't know, overthrow the U.S. government, go Antifa or whatever. Um, the difference is, is that there are two political ideologies. One is about shutting down speech and the other is about hoping that the other side keeps talking. So go ahead, Mitch. I'll yeah, I think um, thank you for monologuing, first of all. But um, I think if you look at the end of Barry's thread tonight, 
you look at the names of people who are going to be writing on this story. These, I mean, you've got Schellenberger, you've got Abigail Schreier. I, the story is going to escalate. And the most remarkable thing to me about that is it's going to escalate outside of the, the confines of traditional media. CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, they are yes. not going to cover the story. And, and we now know that the New York Times definitely isn't going to fucking cover the story. So Twitter is becoming the delivery mechanism for uh, real information from real people who are not just stooges of the left. and Or the, the right. They're not the stooges right. of the left or the right. Like, you can't argue that Schellenberger is a stooge of the political right. You can't argue that Nellie Bowles is a stooge can. of the political right. And I, and this is why I said this has a very, this has a very Lewinsky Drudge feel to it. And yeah, it we feels haven't like we're had on that in. It feels like we're no, on go the ahead. verge of you... something. Yeah, it feels like we're on the verge of something new. Like, yeah, to, that's to, correct. To have a, a conduit of information. And I, I think the mere fact that somebody like Ben Collins has just gotten a sock stuffed in his mouth by Barry Weiss, it. It shows you we're we're in the middle of a new moment now. I think that it's partly independent journalism, and I think Musk understands independent journalism. And I think the other part of it is is people who are credible, who deserve credibility, and who have been written off as not credible by those people that you're talking about. Uh, Musk is signaling to them there there there's a new landlord. And Twitter is not going to be run anymore by either one, the surveillance security state, or two, corporate journalists who Musk understands Twitter killed their their model. Twitter and social media as a whole, blogging, uh, Facebook, Substack, Patreon, it made media accessible to anyone, anyone who wants to have a voice. Now, some are better at it than others, incidentally, me, um, or whatever. But I think he understands that as much as he badly fucked up the verification system, I think he looks at it and he says, um, I'm going to give credibility to the people who have been the most credible. And those aren't the people who are working for Condé Nast. They're not the people working for The New York Times. They're not the people working for NBC. And that is ultimately, and I think, again, why you get the pettiness of a thousand sons from people at NBC or The Atlantic or the New York Times or the Washington Post. And that's why I say I almost haven't been this intrigued about what the Internet or what social media might become. And I was I was but a wee young and lad when Drudge broke. But that was you remember, that was the dawn of holy shit. The blog just became relevant. Like, yeah, everything. Changed. A, a blogger wrote a wrote up on the Lewinsky thing when Newsweek passed it up. And that's what this feels like. NBC, CBS, ABC, Washington Post, Washington, or Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, they all chose not to report what Taibbi and, and Barry Weiss are reporting. They made a editorial choice to say, we're not going to do this. And now we know that mostly they did it out of political ideology. And no, this isn't, this isn't important. And again, to see this, this petty little cunt Ben Collins sitting here doing a yawn emoji He's someone who calls himself a reporter. Like, everything should be interesting to you as a reporter. Everything should be interesting to you. So if you're sitting here, if you're sitting here literally on Twitter yawning about a story about Twitter, 
then you're not a reporter. And I know I don't need to say that about that stupid idiot, but that's just kind of what it is. So, um, Mitch, I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, again, being patient and, uh, and letting me kind of leapfrog you there. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Bye. Cheers. Um, I'm only, I'm only going to take one more person tonight, guys, Jacqueline Cameron, Daniel Pierre, Sheila, everyone. I, I hate to, I hate to skip my Sheila, but I'm gonna, um, I'm going to bring up Matt from Boston, New Jersey, wherever, uh, guys, I'm going to be back here tomorrow night. So, um, hold up, shut up. Let me finish. Uh, I'm going to be back here tomorrow night. So, uh, again, I, it's funny that I always have to like kill Daniel. It's hilarious. But, um, Jacqueline, Daniel, Pierre, Matt, Kathy, uh, thanks for jumping in the queue. I do apologize. We're going to wrap this up. Um, but I will be back here tomorrow. Now I will be, I was kind of questioning it. We, we haven't even talked about Brittany fucking Griner. What the hell? This is going to be the most confusing episode. <laughs> it's like, it's like the best title I ever came up with and nothing about it. Um, but Matt, go ahead and take us home for the night. And again, guys, I will be here tomorrow night. If, Kathy, Matt, Pierre, Daniel, Jacqueline, I'll make sure you guys can kind of jump in tomorrow night, and I'll also probably now be back here Saturday. But, Matt, go ahead. Bring us home. Great song by the outfield, right? Um, <clears throat> so have we been psyoped by American social media company for the last two to three years? Yes. <laughs> and, and here's the thing that's even fucking freakier. Google YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, obviously Facebook are doing this already. Yeah, this is this is the probably... thing that this isn't even. I guess that this is also one of the most understated things about this is what this could lead to. Um, I mean, this could lead to holy shit, Google and YouTube going fuck. Maybe we should stop demonetizing things, or we know Google. Uh, fixes search results, for instance, like as a writer and as someone who depends on looking up links in the past, I cannot begin to express my frustration of when I'm trying to find like an old Obama video, for instance, um, I get 30,000 links about how Trump was impeached. Um, First, like I, I cannot because it's part of my job. Like if you're working in a job and you're like, this is what I need to do to find, because obviously everything I write has to be sourced. It has to be factual. Even if I'm a commentary writer, you have to be able to say, Hey, here's why I think this way. And God, Jesus, fuck. There was one, I was just doing a piece and I had a situation. I, I can't remember at this moment because I'm just completely like mashed potatoes brains, but I was, I was trying to look up a link for a piece about either something Biden said or Obama said, and I I couldn't find it because I was inundated by a hundred fucking pages of something Donald Trump said. And so I'll, of course, let you finish, Matt, but this, this is a good point that, I don't know, maybe someone needs to fucking buy Google. Maybe that's where we're at. And if this is a domino that falls, because when you look at social media, what are the what are the first four accounts you think of? You think Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, not Google, but Google is the internet. That's everybody uses it, and it's just because they managed to name their company after some goofy word, but now they're a fucking just authoritarian nightmare. Um, but that's kind of the other thing no one's talking about is Mark Zuckerberg is going to look at this and go, "Huh, like what's traffic doing on Twitter now?" And as I said last week, one of the stories that flew under the radar 
was when Musk apparently met with Apple over Apple's threats to pull advertising. Now, do I think that actually happened? No. Did uh, ends from the Washington Post actually say, hey, Apple should pull your ads because this is a hateful Nazi site now? We know that happened. I think Musk got in front of that and went to Apple and said, hey, are you actually going to do this? And Apple probably went, I don't know. We're looking at it. Um, But the fact that Apple resumed full advertising and then you had the Spotify CEO and you had Netflix and then you also had Zuckerberg come out and be like, hey, we don't we're not cool with Apple taking 30 percent of our charges in the app store. That to me was a message that was also kind of an under the radar turning point where it was not like billionaire cool billionaires, but it was like, hey, Apple, you're not the good guy here, by the way. And so, Matt, you bring up just a good point that kind of just strikes me when I hear it, which is, I mean, I don't know. Is Google going to start de-boosting results? Eh, I have more faith in Zuckerberg than I do Google, but they're going to look at this and go, holy shit, maybe we should stop doing this stuff because this could happen to us. No, yeah. I mean, they will if somebody ends up getting indicted and goes to jail or gets severely penalized um i don't even I mean, think the, i want anyone thing... going indicted and going to jail over this i'm pretty happy with just seeing the truth um and i and i know yeah. Gail is back there i i'm, I'm not going to sit here and advocate jack dorsey be locked up that's not what i think is the point i think the point is <laughs> we were right jesus yeah. fucking christ we were right pardon my language it's <clears throat> You were called a conspiracy theorist for four or five years for just coming out and being like, hey, I think my, I think some weird shit's happening with my Twitter account. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, like X, Y, Z. And here it is. It's in front of your face. And it's like, yeah, I don't need Jack Dorsey to go to jail. Um, I don't know. You know, you know, when we see the tags for your Twitter account, it's going to be says post podcast late. Don't worry about this guy. (laughs) Or not at all. Uh, (laughs) That's in trouble. Frenchie in trouble. No, I'm, 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 uh, somebody, like I said earlier, someone asked me, are you going to show up in this thread? I'm like, no, you're, you're not thinking of who I am correctly. I guess I'm Wilco. I'm the popular independent band over here. I am not like the Foo Fighters, which is who Charlie Kirk is. They're not going to concentrate on me as far as like Barry Weiss doesn't care about me in that sense. Um, I would, I would be remiss and I would be lying if I didn't say that I'm curious I kind of like to see my screenshot now. And that's kind of what Gator was saying at the beginning is there should be a database where you could find this. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think the point has been made. And of course, Twitter went and made examples out of the absolute worst people on the political right. They literally just turned the absolute worst people on the political right into martyrs. And I, as much as I'm someone where I'm sit there, I, I even joked, not even joked, where they said Twitter recommended de-boosting or de-amplifying Charlie Kirk's account. I'm like, well, that one's okay. But on the other hand, that's still pretty bad you did that. Charlie Kirk is going Charlie Kirk is, is going to go around the country dragging a giant cross now. And you know what? You guys fucking earned it, just like you earned Donald Trump. Can, can I just go back to something and touch on that you said real quick? And I just want to make one or two points. No, just say what you want. I don't even care at this point. Yeah, you, you, you said you made a comment that you just want to be the cool independent band. I didn't Wilco. say cool. I just said that's what I am. Wilco's not really oh, that cool anymore. They're old and they're yeah. gray and they oh, have like. Okay, because I was going to decrease my Patreon subscription by a couple No, bucks. I didn't say they were cool. I just said that that's what I am. I'm kind of the older independent 
banned on Twitter who, you know, doesn't get along with anybody and I'm probably stuck in my own independent career and I'm fine. I'm a hundred percent happy with that. I didn't say. All right. Well, so I, I, my, I probably too, missed kinda... my political moment now by three years. So, um, <laughs> I, that, that's kind I, of where I'm at. Like I, 2016 was the eye opener for me. I was like, well, 2016 was kind of my political moment. I was, I was writing really good shit uh, I was right about a lot. I'm being told now on Twitter for some reason I'm also right about stuff and I'm Nostradamus. So I'm still right about stuff, but I'm also smart enough to know that there are younger assholes coming up. And so I'm not quite aged out of that stuff, but like Wilco, you're re- you're kind of. <laughs> the, one thing you kind of mentioned earlier, which I think is interesting because you always talk about it is how much the White House is governed by Twitter. It but is. Also, it is. It is the same case, I think, for mainstream media because they don't do a ton of reporting and they just listen to see what's Twitter. They pluck stories out from what's going on. And then subsequently, they get the the media people and reporters and the characters from Twitter to come onto their shows. Right. So how much of this amplification uh, over the last couple of years about bullshit stories about covid or the election or Trump? that was amplified by Twitter led to a psyop led to information that was picked up by good morning America or some of these dumb today shows that people just kind of nod in a very Pavlovian way. And these producers that were getting this content and these news ideas was from amplified trending stories on Twitter, which was subsequently amplified um, unorganically by, you know, whoever was running, running Twitter that we've kind of learned. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me is how much emphasis the people in power put on Twitter. Um, and that includes media organizations. I mean, Twitter became the centralized heartbeat of every news organization because one, they can't compete with live instant updating. They just can't, you can't, if, if CNN tried to operate that way, it would turn into like the, the tit juggling scene from airplane, for example. Um, <clears throat> and so because it became an instant live update, networks realize the importance of live instant news. It, it's how you get eyeballs where if there's a car chase or a, an airplane crash, or it could be nine 11 or a Boston bombing, people go to where they can get the fastest information possible. Hopefully the most accurate. We know that doesn't happen. Um, and they know they can't compete with that. So ultimately they tried to destroy it or tried to own it, which is how you got the curation teams on the sidebar. You know, people are saying this, oh, so Jamie Foxx is like slapping around, blah, blah, whatever. Fuck you. Um, and so that's how they tried to turn Twitter into what they were. And it really became an unusable tool. Now, Elon Musk has made Twitter unusable in certain ways for someone like me. Um, but I kind of look at that and say, this is a challenge. This is something that I have to adapt to other than bitch and moan about it. Um, one of the funniest things. So, uh, there's a, there's a platform out there called post news, and this is the new one that all the journals are going to, because the Mastodon experiment failed. I just got accepted to post news. It's a beta version. So, um, it's mostly a place of just journalists. And so I got accepted and I went and I created an account uh, you have to show post news why you should be accepted. It's like a club. 
So I go in and I, I say, oh, hey, I'm, you know, I'm media. I don't say journalist. I don't use that slur. I'm media. Here's my record. Da, 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 da. Well, today I got accepted. So now I can see everyone's posts. Mostly the posts are, are tape Ren's complaining that there aren't enough shit posters and Molly Jong Fast doing what she's doing on Mastodon, which is complaining about how bad Twitter is. And that's why those alternatives will fail. Uh, Gab and Parler and True Social fail because those people can't exist in an echo chamber. Those people exist to like go after libs. Mastodon and Post News are going to fail because they don't, that's just a place for journalists to hang out and complain about what's happening on Twitter. And that's why that's not going to succeed. So the biggest mistake was the, the fact that mainstream media, like you said, uh, network media slash print media, blog or blog media, tech media decided to make Twitter the heartbeat of their entire ecosystem. And now that somebody who owns it, that they don't like, and they don't like the direction of it, they don't know how to break it. They don't know how to go back to just like blog reporting. And I don't think that they can. And that's a big problem for them. Um, re real fast, Elon Musk, this is important to what we've been talking about tonight. Elon Musk, Twitter is working on a software update that will show you your true account status. So you know clearly if you've been shadow banned, the reason why and how to appeal. <laughs> there you go, brother. I don't even know how to respond to that. Can, can, the, can I just read... The, um, the shadow banning thing is going to be the new verification check. I'll let, you, I'll let you hop. I just want to read one thing before I go. And I just want to get your reaction of whether the, in 2022, if this is racist or not. The there's answer news, is yes. There's news this week. I get sometimes confused with Asian names, but I believe this person who is a scientist at the Wuhan Institute. <laughs> yeah, is that her? I don't know if that's the same person. Like I so, said, when you're dealing with Asian names, sometimes the first name is the last name and the last name is the first name. So I believe that person, yeah, they're probably from Wuhan. Can I ask you a trivia question? Is that A, Donald Trump? B, Alex Jones, or C, St. Anthony Fauci that said that? So I want to find, uh, you guys are going to have to be patient here, <laughs> because someone tweeted, and I didn't retweet this, because believe it or not, I, I think I have to be responsible-ish with my Twitter account to where as much as I laugh at some jokes or whatever, I have to be careful not to retweet things. I basically have to not give my critics a reason to like write me off. So what Matt is referring to here, I'm, I'm looking for it right now. Uh, I posted a bunch of things about Fauci's testimony. And can I keep it up? Because, uh, nope, not, not that one, not that one. Yeah, here we go. So I found it. So Fauci and his testimony, for those of you who don't know what Matt's referring to, he was asked the question, question. What about the person that's listed immediately before him, listed here as Zengali Shi? Do you know who that is? Now, before I read Fauci's answer, Zengali Shi is known as the bat lady in China. She's a virologist who studies bat viruses. And she is also someone who works in, who worked in the Wuhan Institute. And she's someone who is also kind of tacitly admitted that she thinks that this was a lab leak. <laughs> God, this is funny. 
This is from Fauci. The question is, how about the person that's listed immediately before him listed here is Zengli Zhi, Z-H-E-N-G-L-I-S-H-I-G. Do you know who that is? Answer. This is Fauci. I believe if I'm correct, that is a scientist who is at the Wuhan Institute of Biology, I believe. I'm not 100% certain. I get sometimes confused with Asian names, but I believe this is the person who is a scientist at the Wuhan Institute. <laughs> Question. And you are aware generally that there's someone called Shizengali who's described in the media as the Batwoman who does research on bat viruses at the Wuhan lab. Here's Fauci's answer. Yeah, is that her? Should I do Fauci? Yeah, is that her? I don't know if that's the same person. Like I said, when you're dealing with Asian names, sometimes the first name is last and the last name is first. <laughs> so I I believe this is the person from Wuhan. That I-I-I is the actual transcript. Uh... Apparently, Fauci being under oath turns him into a racist. Here is the tweet that I loved, and we're going to wrap up on this. Thank you, Matt, by the way. <laughs> this is from a, a, just a Twitter account, uh, Perpetuities, uh, 500 followers, whatever. He says, quote, I love how just getting under oath can transform people from smartest dude you'll ever meet and totally qualified to lock everyone in their homes to dude stammering that he's not sure if the China woman was Ching Chong or Chong Ching because he can't keep track of name words. <laughs> I, lo I love that tweet with the heat of a thousand suns. Um, there's going to be more to come out on this deposition with Fauci. Like I said, I'm going to be writing about this more. Uh, I have to finish reading it. Um, I might even have uh, something in Spectator's Magazine over it. Um, but yeah, like everyone just glanced over the fact that Fauci just somehow mixes up Asian names uh, because suddenly his gain of function research comes into play. Um, Matt, thank you for that. Thanks for the laugh. Um, this has been episode 72. <laughs> the grass is always griner. Boy, anyone who goes back and listens to this episode is going to be confused as fuck uh, in, the, in the future when we're all dust and dead and buried. Um, thank you to my callers. Thank you to my listeners tonight. Again, I know I, I nixed a lot of you, but I'm going to be back here tomorrow night, obviously talking more about this. I juiced, I think, three episodes out of the last one. So that's kind of my plan. Um, I apologize. I know I kicked a lot of you out of the queue more than usual. We We ran over and i wasn't able to take that many callers but that's just kind of how it goes it's a conversational app um i do appreciate you coming and tuning here as opposed to twitter spaces where again all the influential people are apparently um, this is the indie cool kids club by the way um i will be back on patreon tomorrow probably now talking more about this once i have kind of a a firmer grasp and i'm not reading the monitor and i'm not listening to people but again thank you my callers thanks to listeners um, again, you guys keep the show up towards the top of this app, which is important um, because, again, uh, there's bigger names up there with bigger audiences than I am. And so, again, thank you, guys. Uh, I'll be back on Patreon tomorrow. I will be back here tomorrow night. So please, if I kicked you out of the queue, please line up tomorrow and I'll try to make sure you're, you're up front first. 
Again, I'm Stephen O'Mel. This is the first media live on Colin. Um, I don't know, man. 